I'm in a new series called Emotional Healing. I believe it's a subject that each one of us need to constantly look at because of all the negative things that are in our society and our world today. Of course, negative thoughts are a constant battle, and you and I's minds are coming at us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. As much as I enjoy technology and the blessing of technology, sometimes it can bring peace, sometimes it can bring confusion and aggravation and agitation. But I'd like to take you to 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, I'm just going to read a lot of scripture today, but before I preface this, going to 1 Kings 18, and again, they can follow me the best they can with our the, what they do on the screens. And if you have your Bible or iPhone or iPad, please, 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 you need to go to 1 Kings 18. This is Elijah in his life. And something very, very interesting I want to show you today that I believe will transform your life concerning these mental battles and bring stability emotionally and peace to your mind. As it says over here, interesting though, in uh, James chapter 5, verse 17, just let me reference this. Uh, you don't have to go there, but or just listen to this. James 5, 17 says this. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So I just want to just prelude that as a foundation to what I want to talk about, that Elijah was not just this great man of God in the Bible who did these great things we're about to read about, who was set apart and different from you and I. Yes, he was set apart in the fact that, as it says in verse 17, he he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And when he prayed again, the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. I mean, he, he actually had a very intense prayer life and a relationship with God. However, ladies and gentlemen, I want to take you to 1 Kings 18 and 19. And again, I just encourage you to read this because Elijah fought a big time mental battle here. He fought depression. He fought anxiety. He fought some things here that a lot of people in our society today are dealing dealing with, you may be dealing with things that may be coming against your mind, battles you may be having mentally about different things. And it says over here in first, uh, first Kings chapter 18, this is in verse 20. Again, I'm just going to summarize through this, read portions of it. So just bear with me. A lot of scripture here, but I'm, I'm going to bring some summary to it. First, Corinthians, first Kings chapter 18 and verse 20, this is King, A <clears throat> King Ahab says, he sent all the children of Israel and they gathered all the prophets together on Mount Carmel. So picture this, the king orders all the Christians out there, or not Christians, all the believers out there at this time, or the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, they're gathered together. And then verse 20, Elijah came to all the people. Now this is what Elijah said. Listen to this. How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer, not a word. And look at verse 22. And Elijah said to the people, he said, I alone am left the prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450. 50 men. Verse 23, therefore let us give us two bulls and let us choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood and put it on fire and put, and put no fire underneath it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire underneath it. Well, watch verse 24. Check this out. He says this, then you, then you call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And we will, and the people answered and said, it is well spoken. So he's setting this up. Elijah's making 
making this dare as it goes through the rest of chapter 18. He makes this dare. We're going to you know, put these two animals out there and we'll put the wood under it. And uh, you put you know, you know, your sacrifice over here. I'm going to put my sacrifice over here. And then uh, we're going to see who answers. That's a pretty bold thing, is it not? I mean, that's your John Wayne of the day. Think about it. I mean, that's pretty confident to say, hey, I'm going to call upon God and he's going to bring fire. That's, that's pretty, pretty awesome, is it not? And so anyway, it proceeds on in the rest of chapter 18. And so they set theirs up and they start calling on the name of Baal and nothing happens. They're screaming and they're screaming and they're hollering. And, uh, you know, Elijah's just sort of there sitting there. I picture it with a Clint Eastwood look, okay? <laughs> I like Clint Eastwood. And uh, back there, especially in those cowboy movies, uh, him and John Wayne were just the ultimate in confidence. Anyway, uh, he's got the Clint Eastwood look. And um, so they're sitting there crying out, screaming out and uh, then he begins to mock them in chapter 18 he said he says this he says he says as they're screaming and cutting them he says well maybe he's asleep <laughs> maybe your god's taking a nap maybe you need to wake him up and uh, oh my gosh he was infuriating them and uh, so they they proceed on and then he puts he takes his sacrifice now check this out and pours water on it okay i mean he drenches it in water and I mean, he's really pushing this situation. And then guess what happens, ladies and gentlemen? He calls upon the name of the Lord. Man, the fire of God falls. The water is absolutely dissipated. And I mean, you know, there it is. I mean, the supernatural has manifested in that situation. You'd be pretty, that'd be pretty amazing, would it not? I mean, you think about you're watching that. Anyway, it came to pass that he did that. And so again, after he did that, I mean, he really took the ultimate John Wayne Clint Eastwood, even though they weren't really uh, would do this. But he went executed all these. Uh, it says right here, he chased all these prophets away. He seized every one of them, and, and and then he killed every single one of them. He killed every single one of these prophets of Baal himself. I mean, you talk about the ultimate, you know, bad guy. But then chapter 19, this is where I want to take you to. This is fascinating. And then check this out in chapter 19. And then Ahab told Jezebel, which is the queen, okay? This is his queen, Ahab's queen, Jezebel. And he says that Elijah had done all this and how he executed all the prophets with a sword. And notice verse 2 of chapter 19. Check this out. It says, then Jezebel sent a messenger or a text. Okay, if you'll allow me to say that, maybe you can relate to that today. Sent something on Facebook Messenger and said to Elijah, so let the gods do to me more also if I do not make your life as one of them by this time tomorrow. Wow, what a threat. You'd think the bold man of God would step back and say, bring it on, sister. Just, just bring your bad self over here. But notice what happens in verse 2. I mean, verse 3. It says, when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. Oh, my gosh, he's running from this woman. And look what happens here. Let's just, let me just read this, and you check this out with me. He says, he went to Beersheba, which is to Judea, left his servant there, verse number 5, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came and sat down under a broom tree. And notice this in verse 4, ladies and gentlemen. Watch what happens here. He says, he prayed that he might die. Oh, my gosh. What is happening here with Elijah? He went from doing all this to running from this one woman after her threat. And he says this. He says, and he prayed, and he said, 
that he might die, he said, quote, is it not, is it, is it enough now, Lord? Take my life. I am no better than my father's. Oh my gosh, Elijah, what's happening to you? And then verse five, it says, he laid down, he slept under a broom tree, and then suddenly an angel touched him and said, arise and eat. Look what it says in verse six. Then he looked and there was by his head a cake baked on coals. That was probably one of Kathy Campbell's cakes. Okay, anyway, going right along. It baked on coals and a jar of water and he ate and he drank it and he laid down again. Man, he was tired. <laughs> he, he was tired and he laid down again. And look what it says. Uh, this is, this is funny. And the angel of the Lord came to him the second time. I mean, you know, I mean, come on now. And the angel of the Lord said, arise and eat because the journey is too great. So he arose in verse number eight. He ate and drank on the strength of that food. And he went 40 days and 40 nights, man, that is the ultimate Whataburger experience. Is it not? <laughs> so notice what happens here. He goes 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. He went to a cave. He spent the night in that place. This is verse number uh, nine. And then the word of the Lord came unto him again and said, what are you doing, Elijah? What are you doing, man? What's going on with you? <laughs> In verse number 20, I mean, verse number 10. And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord of God hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant and torn down your altars and killed your prophets and your sword. And I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Oh my goodness. Self-pity is creeping in, is it not? He's not remembering his covenant with God. He's not remembering what God has done in the past. And ladies and gentlemen, that is a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing to forget the blessings of God in the past. Satan wants you to get so focused on the day and all this worry and all this pressure is that you forget that God has been faithful in the past. I'm doing some pretty good preaching this morning. Am I not? I mean, seriously, he wants you so focused on today, forgetting, well, the apostle Paul said, Brian, forgetting those things which are behind. Yes, forgetting the negative that are behind, but that doesn't mean forgetting the positive of yesterdays. I thank God for great things of yesterdays. I really do. 27 years ago this month, I married Sheila. That's a great thing. That's an awesome thing. We remember the good and spit out the bad. There are good things in our life when we need to rehearse that God was faithful then. He wants to be faithful now and he wants to be faithful tomorrow. But look what's happening with Elijah. He's getting into self-pity. And it says in verse 11, and then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord and the Lord passed by. Check this out. And the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore in the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. In verse 12, and after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a still small voice. Pastor Brian, what are you saying? I'm just saying that sometimes we don't need all that. The voice of God, that is the beautiful thing about our relationship with God. Sometimes when we just isolate ourselves for just a moment and listen within without listening to the two ears on our head or the mind that's going like this, and listening to our spirit, we'll hear the voice of God. And look what happens here in verse number 13. And so it was when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said again, Elijah, it said to him again, what are you doing here? Ladies and gentlemen, that just, that just permeates to me today so powerfully. God is continually asking us, what are we doing in the situations of our life? What are we doing in these places of self-pity. What are we doing? Listen, one of the things that worry is in my definition is making nothing out of something. And I come from a world-class champion 
top of the line, number one, not in football, I'm talking about in the state of Alabama. I'm talking about the Jacobs family are world-class warriors. I mean, top of the line champions. I mean, worrying is at the top of our list. And I came for that. And when I was born again in 1983, I was a number one, first-class champion, world-class warrior. I mean, worried about everything. Worry, 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 worried about everything. And I would worry about something and make something out of nothing. I mean, excuse me, nothing into something. You said, well, Pastor Brian, we all got to worry about something. I love the definition I heard many years ago about fear. Fear is false evidence appearing real. And sometimes that is what I would do. I would just create things in my mind. But thank God in 1983, I got a revelation of the power of God's word spoken out of my mouth to my ears. And me not worrying, but trusting God was greater than worrying. And ladies and gentlemen, it transformed my life. Now that meant, didn't mean that I would never have a battle, but I'm telling you what, we have to get to that place where we never forget the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, and what comes out of our mouth is powerful. And Elijah kept over and over, he kept rehearsing self-pity. He kept rehearsing the fact that no one is with him. God, God had, as it says, and as you read the rest of this chapter, it said there were, there were 7,000 people that were with him. He wasn't by himself. And that's why we need one another in a church family. You know, you get to those places of self-pity and, and Satan's playing that thing. You know, oh, you're just by yourself. You're by yourself. You're by yourself. That's why being here on a Sunday morning is so important. You say, Pastor Brian, you're pushing church attendance. I'm pushing the power of togetherness. I'm pushing us being together as family. One of our missions of Metroplex Family Church, well, there's four points. We extend the love of God because God loves people. We want to equip people to be experience the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to empower people to know that God has a divine reason why you're on this earth. And finally, to experience, experience being the family of God. Because when you isolate yourself, you get yourself in trouble. I mean, I've seen that 1988. I was on a safari in Africa. It's, it's worthy of repeating, but it changed my life. I'm watching this safari, and sure enough, they had these, uh, these uh, moose elk or whatever. I forgot what they call them with the, horn, the curly horns. Anyway, we were watching that, and there was a big pack of them, at least 150 of them. And there they were moving together. All of a sudden, one just drifted off to the left. And sure enough, around the vehicle, I was in this big, large bus with the open top. There, This is right outside Nairobi, Kenya. Sure enough, I of nowhere came this big cheetah and he just came around there and here comes that whatever that was moose elk well, I forgot the name of it and just kept isolating itself isolating it and then all of a sudden as the pack just sort of went that way and then with that the cheetah went after it and it just impressed on my heart that's the power of people isolating themselves from a local church they will be devoured every single time and ladies and gentlemen, again, I don't make this up. This is not my structure. This is God's calling. God called us together. Now, I have seen on video, not in that particular safari, I have seen where a, a, an animal like that would try to attack a pack of, of animals like that. And guess what would happen? They would together maul that thing down or push it down or push it away. The power of being together. There's just nothing like it. And I thank God that, that that's something we push here as a church. We push family. We don't push attending just to attend, we pushed family. We named it 18 years ago with a purpose. 
It was Richard Moore and I sitting over there at Taylor Elementary School all by ourselves. But I'll never forget, Richard that morning had his coffee. He got from Quick Trip. I don't know where he got, but no, it wasn't Starbucks for sure. He had his Quick, his quick Trip coffee and his thermos for $1.15 or whatever. He's reading his newspaper. I've got my Bible, and we're thinking, is anybody going to show up? Richard didn't dare breathe a word like, is there anybody going to show up? He just like, Brian, I'm just here to support you, and I really hope this works out. I appreciate it, Richard. But, and all of a sudden, Danny Moore walks in, and the rest is history. My point with all that is, is you just got to have a place that you're going to trust God, believe God, and not get in self-pity. I didn't turn to Richard and say, well, man, I hope somebody shows up. I knew that God called me to be a pastor. I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew. And when God has called you to do something and whatever your name is on your life, be confident that he's going to back you up. He's going to have your back. And if he's for you, nothing could be against you. But don't let that self-pity creep in and, and try to beat you down and isolate you and say, well, no, Pastor Brown, I got a little headache today. I can't make it to church. And I'm just going to wall in the bed and pull the sheet over. And I'm going to put the phone by my head. And, and then I'm going to sleep all Sunday morning. You don't need to be sleeping on Sunday morning. Get up out of that bed. Let's do something. Let's be somebody, okay? You know, I want to take my spiritual ball bat and spank you and say, let's go on and do what God's called us to do and be what God's called us to be. We need you. I sound like Sergeant Carter on Gomer Pyle, do I not? <laughs> anyway, we do need one another. We're stronger together. And, and, and that's the thing about Elijah, all these great things. I mean, God supernaturally was visiting this man. You say, well, Pastor Brian, that was Elijah. That's not me. Uh, do you have oxygen in your lungs today? Do you have breath in your body? Do you have things that are happened to you that you can't explain that you know were the goodness of God? Well, you know what? That's your Mount Carmel experience. You're looking at a Mount Carmel experience. I'm looking at a Mount Carmel experience. Some of us are looking at a Mount Carmel experience. You could have been dead a couple of years ago, but you're alive today. You could be broke, but you have money coming forth in your life. You have health today in spite of what others have said. You've got things going for you. And listen, self-pity will rob you of the greatness of God. You say, Pastor Brian, I'm going through the hardest summer I've ever been through. I tell you what, I understand that. But at the same time, I am trusting God. I got my faith in him and I'm looking to him. And if God will, has showed up and showed out, as they say in the past, he's going to show up and show out now because my faith is in him. There's a couple of things I want to share with you about this over in Mark chapter four, Mark chapter four. Look at this. Mark chapter four. When these things come to you, you got to realize what the true enemy is that you're facing. When Satan plays these things, what happens? What, what's he trying to do? Elijah, again, forgot how powerful God is. Elijah got, lost his identity when somebody attacked him, especially a woman. Nothing wrong with a woman attacking you, but he just melted. He melted in self-pity, and he got himself off of God's purpose for his life. Mercy. What does it say in Mark chapter 4? Jesus said it better than I did. He said in verse number 13, Mark chapter 4, verse 13. Notice what it says here. These are not my words. These are the Lord's words. And he says it clearly. He said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? Verse 14, the sower sows the word. Verse 15, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. Watch this. When they hear, Satan comes immediately to take the word that was sown in their heart. When God does something special in your life, when there's a challenge and you overcome that challenge, Satan's going to do what? He's going to come immediately to rob that purpose, to rob that word out of your life. And how you respond and you react is the key to this victory, in my opinion. Sometimes we just, again, a little bit of pressure. We want to back off and compromise or, not get, or give in and quit. 
Listen, if it were easy in life, I'm telling you what, then everybody would be doing it. Because sometimes the price of success takes a price. Sometimes it's not easy to trust God and believe him through the situation. I admit that myself. But at the same time, it's worthy of it. And the older I get in the Lord and the more victories I have, the more I look back and say, man, if God did that then, he can do that now. And I'm going to walk in love over this situation. I'm going to walk in hope over this situation. I'm going to walk in faith over this situation. There's just a couple of things I want to share with you. And again, we'll, we'll continue this as we go. First of all, I think they're in, in my sit in not, not pivoting or transitioning from Elijah, but into our lives. I think there's one key thing I want to talk about or just share with you about. I call it number one, life imbalances. Life imbalances are simply this. We never designed to be a sedentary, indoor, socially isolated, fast-laden, sleep-deprived, frenzy-paced, modern-life people. We're not designed by God to do that. We're not, in my opinion. It says in Ecclesiastes 4, 6, better a handful with quietness than both handfuls full together with toll grasping for the wind. I've been doing a lot of study recently. Let me read that again. I like that, Ecclesiastes 4, 6. Better a handful with quietness than both handfuls together with toll grasping for the wind. I've been studying the, well, Ecclesiastes and reading it just personally, and I'm amazed at Solomon's life. I mean, here's a man that had everything in every area of life that anybody would ever want to have. And yet he kept saying that the things he was doing outside of God's purposes was like grasping for the wind, like trying to grasp and chase the wind. And he never attained to quietness of the soul. You know, the richest thing you can have in your life, in my opinion, is the peace of God. Traveling with Dr. Billy Graham and doing those crusades with him in the 80s and 90s and then finally when he retired, one of the most monumental parts of those crusades, not just was the people being born again, but the message that he continued to promote and that was this theme of peace with God. He would say it over and over and over and over. Do you have peace with God? Are you at peace with God? I'll never forget in Oklahoma City as well as in San Antonio, Texas, he was standing on the platform and I just went down front as a worker, as a part of the team, and I just stand down front there right in front of him. And I was just, you know, I could just, it's nothing that's moving to watch people come by the thousands and be born again. Thank God for salvation. But one of the things that really struck me about Dr. Graham's message that resonates with my heart today is peace with God. And us as believers having peace with God. Sometimes we internally try to make things happen. We try to reason our way through things and we try to grasp and compare ourselves to the world. Money is not the answer for everything. Fame is not the answer for everything. Materialism is not the answer. For it's good to have money. Money will, will make you comfortable, but money doesn't bring you peace with God, does it? I saw the other day, it really struck me the other day, I saw two graves they had these graves dug out, and it says, uh, you, came, you came into this life with nothing, and you leave this life. I mean, you, you enter the same way you leave, okay, with nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's just nothing. I mean, you, 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 again, what you do from the moment you're born to the day a person dies, that in-between marker is your life, and I understand that. But what you do in this life that counts the most is how you impacted people, not because of the things you did in the natural and this is one of the th some things I want to leave you with and just some things for you to think about. Here's some things I've written down. And again, what number, number, this question I want to bring to your attention. What are some of the driving forces in your life? Let's look at these questions with me. Again, this is something I, these are just things that I, as a pastor, I want to bring to your attention. Number one, what, how many hours are you working a week? Is it, is it, is it good? Is it balanced? Number two, do you have any family or fun time? I think this is important. 
Most people just work, 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 work. Most people never have fun. When's the last time you laughed about something? Hello? Number three, where are your stress levels? I can't answer that, but you can. Where are your stress levels? What pushes you? And are you depending on caffeine? Hello, Pastor Brian, you're meddling there now. Don't you be talking about my Starbucks and my coffee. I know, I know, I know. I don't mean to be going there, but at the same time, if your stress and your release is in coffee, hello, 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 hello. There's got to be something greater than that. That's an expensive habit. Plus, caffeine's not always the best thing for you, but I'm here. I'm not a doctor. I'm just here as a pastor, okay? Where are your stress levels? I also, I hear the Holy Spirit saying, what would push you over the edge right now? Are you to that level? And then number four, this is very important to me, and I think it ought to be important to you. I'm not talking about joining a gym, but what about your physical activity? No, I'm not talking about sleeping. <laughs> I'm talking about what your physical activity is. You need to do something physically. I play the drums every single day. Six days a week, I play the drums for about an hour a day. I just like playing the drums. I practice songs. I work on things. Some people play golf. My Aunt Margaret walks every day, six days a week, seven days a week. She walks four miles a day. That's pretty awesome. She's 86 years old. That's how she releases things. What are you doing in your life? Well, I go to the gym. I do I'm just telling you, it's important that you do that. And by the way, we do not, uh, walking from the kitchen to the, to the living room and back to the bedroom is not exercise, okay? Hello? <laughs> That's not exercise. I'm talking about physical activities. Now, listen now, the, what, are the, what are the things that are driving you to keep you away from that? The next set I want to talk about. We need to have a balance in our lives spiritually. Number one, we do need to have a time with the Lord. If you don't have a time with the Lord, you are not going to hear that still small voice of the Lord. And if you keep pushing that and let the voice of your mind be more important, more powerful than the voice of your spirit, you're going to get into trouble and you're going to live in fear and worry. Number two, quickly, what about developing this spiritual growth plan? Pastor Brian, can you help me do that? I sure will. Contact me. We have resources at MetroplexFamilyChurch.com. But you need to take your iPad, your iPhone, a notebook, and your Bible and set aside what you can do every single day. This is a relationship not between you and I and the Lord. This is a relationship between you and the Lord. Develop that because let me tell you something. If you do not have a plan and if you just try to put it together and sort of wing your way through it, when life's adversity comes and when fear tries to come, Come, you're not going to be strong enough to face that adversity. And it will rob your joy every time. You will not have peace. You will be more anxious about the situation. And we need weapons to fight. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But also, number three, participating in a small group. Hey, I want to make an announcement. I hadn't made an announcement here in months and months and months about this. But every Saturday at 10 o'clock, I mean at 9 o'clock, excuse me, 9 o'clock at Roses here in, in uh, Burleson, we have our men's Bible study. We're going through the 2-7 series, book one. And want to invite every man uh, at Roses at 9 o'clock uh, Every Saturday, we're doing that from 9 to 10, or basically 9 to 9.45. Uh, it was a great group yesterday. It's been a great group consistently. A great group of guys are meeting. But whether this is this small group or any kind of small group that our church is doing or creating a small group, if you want to get together with me about this, we need to work together in creating environments where we encourage one another. These are powerful parts of our Christianity as far as our growth, participating in togetherness. Everybody say togetherness. One more time, togetherness. Because when you're together, you're stronger together. I'm hearing that in my spirit. 
Listen, that's the thing I enjoy so much about football compared to golf and other sports. Football is such a team sport. I loved watching it yesterday as guys were working together. And the, the greater they work together, the greater the harmony. And when there's that rhythm of it, I mean, I played in a band for many, many years. There's just something about a synergy when you're together, like in marriage. There's a synergy between a husband and wife, after you, especially after you've been married for a long period of time. Thank God for that. Of course, Satan does everything he can to what? Split us apart. And then finally, again, participating in a physical activity. I would encourage everybody, everybody to find something together to do as far as either, you know, with others to be accountable. I mean, I have people that are teaching me drums. I have people that have helped me in the past. More people I want to help me. I've got some musician friends that I'm working with right now on different projects. I love the accountability. I want to get better. I want to, I want to create something. I love what Johnny Carson used to do. Everybody remember Johnny Carson from The Tonight Show? Many, 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 many years he did this. Not just every now and then. He would go, because the light show was uh, taped in the afternoon, it would play it that night. So what he would do is after he got through taping the Tonight Show, he would come home and he had a beautiful drum set there in his house and he put on jazz music and he would play for about an hour and he said, every single day I did that, Monday through Friday, it just released stress. I just had a perfect uh, way to transition in my evening and he said it just did something for me. And he found that physical activity healthy for him. Some people like to play golf, some people like to do this, some people like to do I want to encourage you about these things. And then finally, let's turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. If they'll show this from the Amplified Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, when it comes to this emotional healing, this is a verse of scripture I want to leave you with here that's very powerful but very practical. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, notice what it says here. 2 Corinthians 10, note, I'd like for everybody to focus with me on this. I'm going to get to it in the King James, but uh, check this out. This is the Apostle Paul talking about this emotional, mental battle that we're facing. Let's watch this together. It says, though we walk and live in the flesh, notice this next phrase, we're not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. Isn't that encouraging? Because it clarifies it in verse 4 here. Notice what it says. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons, weapons of flesh and blood. Even though I've named some practical things, and we should be doing those things, it says the weapons of our, the weapons, notice what it says. The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they're mighty. Everybody say mighty. What's mighty mean? Mighty means strong, powerful. It says they're mighty before who? God. And notice the next phrase. This is where I want to encourage you. They are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. So what's that stronghold of worry? What's that stronghold of fear? What's that stronghold of anxiety? You say, Pastor Brian, I'm just looking at this situation daily and it's talking to me. Well, you've got to talk back to it. You've got to talk to it. I mean, again, I'll tell you what, I talk to my body every single day without negotiation. I have a certain amount of scripture that I speak to my body every single day. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what kind of schedule I've got. I am going to quote these things over my body every single day because I know that the weapons of my warfare are carnal, but the weapons of God are mighty. And when I speak, I, there, there's a three-page list, a piece that I speak over my mind every single day. And ladies and gentlemen, it's working because I'm telling you, when, when things come against me, like when Benjamin the other day, we're on I-35, he was on I-35, he's going to another place on the other side of town, it's five o'clock, and all of a sudden he has a wreck. 
And again, you know, the lots of things come at your mind when Sheila's calling me. I got to get over there and see what's happening. But there was a peace. There was a peace from the moment I left, the peace I got in the car, and the peace when I got there. All because I had my faith in God. I wasn't going to cringe. And again, there was an accident before I got to his area. There was an accident before I had an ambulance. <laughs> I actually had somebody on a stretcher. And, you know, there's your first image. So what you going to think? What you going to react to? Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. Uh-uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm calm about this. I'm calm. And so I, I said, well, that's not Benjamin's car. That's somebody else. What I do? I prayed for that person as I was driving past them. Then I saw where the Benjamin's car situation was and how that happened. And it was a miracle. It was a miracle because that morning, as I was rehearsing these scriptures, I'm telling you about the, the weapons of the warfare, God put it on my heart to pray Psalm 91 specifically over Allison, Benjamin, Samuel, and Sheila, specifically over them. Sometimes it's specifically over you. Sometimes it's specifically over my own family, especially in Alabama. But that morning, it was specifically over my children. And look what happens at 5 o'clock. I give all the credit to our Father in heaven. I give all the credit to the Lord Jesus Christ. I give all the credit that he gave me a powerful tool with my mouth not to spew profanity and aggravation and agitation and worry and fear, but to produce power in my life, to help power come out of my life. My sweet Lambden, many, many years ago, this is a long time ago when he was a little bitty, he was, again, I was at my house at the, where Miss Blanca lives, and I was just walking up to their house where she lives. So I'm walking up there. And I forget, I saw in the distance him come out of Miss Blanca's house, run down the street, and here comes a car, and they're going to make impact. What's the first words out of my mouth? Oh, my God, he's going to die. No, as loud as I could, I said, in Jesus' name. I'm talking about loud. It wasn't a little bitty, you know, little whimper. It was a roar like the lion of the tribe of Judah. And the next thing I knew, I went from where I was at the end of the street. I was there. I don't know how it happened. I went 100 yards in the air, it seemed like. And, I don't, and we'll see the tape one day, and you can watch it then. But anyway, I was standing right there with him. And thank God he was all right. Got a little bruised, but he was all right. And now he's the great little man of God he is today. He's my favorite Sam's work, worker, and he was out front yesterday. You got to go out there and we'll get his work. He, he did that whole flower bed by himself. Nothing wrong with his dad helping him, but he did it by himself. He's a smart little boy. And he got the Bible study yesterday, and he's reading the scripture. It sounded like Rush Limbaugh. Okay? I love that boy. But what, what comes out of your mouth? Oh, my God, he's going to die. Oh, my God, this, or, or profanity. God help us if that should be coming out of our mouths. Moving right along. I'm looking this way. I'm not looking at you. Okay. It says that our weapons are mighty. Listen, I was raised with a man. My daddy, that's the first words out of his mouth was profanity. And I said, no, I'm not going to be that way. I'm not going to speak the problem. I'm going to speak the promise. There's power in the promise, not power in the problem. Man, I'm doing some good preaching today. I got to close. Anyway, they're mighty before God for the overthrowing destructions. Watch this, verse 5. Here we go. 
that in so much we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. Notice that all these things are rising up against you. Say God's word doesn't work. God is not faithful. Uh-uh. No, what do we do? We lead these, we take a hold of these arguments, these theories and reasonings, these proud and lofty things, and we set ourselves up against the, they set themselves up against the true knowledge of God. Here's the key. Here's where I close. And we lead every thought and purpose away into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. That's what you do with these thoughts. That's what you do with this fear. You say, Brian, fear is real. I can feel it. I know you can. I can feel it too. But feeling is one thing. Embracing is another. You embrace it with your mind and you start embracing it with your mouth and you put yourself into a place where you're caved to that situation and say, I just can't do this. I can't do this because you know what? I'm scared. I'm afraid. Listen, I understand. I understand being scared and afraid. I do, I do, I do. But I do know this, that if we lead every thought away to the purpose of captivity to the anointed one, watch this in the next verse. Can y'all do the next verse quickly? If you go, there you go. Being readiness to punish every insubordinate for his disobedience when your own submission and obedience are fully secured and complete. Being ready to punish that, punish that fear with the fact that I trust God and if God was faithful in the past, he's faithful now. Hallelujah. Trusting him, ladies and gentlemen, you cannot go wrong. So whatever you're facing today, listen, he's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be trusted. I'm just asking you right now, watch the words that are coming out of your mouth. If you're speaking words you should not be speaking, let those words go. Being ready to punish disobedience with your obedience. Quit calling the dog black when he's black. Call him what he needs to be. His name's Ralph or Spot, okay? Call him what he should be, okay? Call that thing to the victory of God. You say, Pastor Brian, it's not doing anything right now. It's not doing anything. Don't give up on this. Don't give up. And I'm not talking about a, a formula. I'm talking about a faith in God, a confidence that God is God. That's what Elijah lost that day. He should have turned to that Jezebel and said, listen, you woman, uh, you know what? If you don't back off, I'm coming to get you. Can't you hear the music? I mean, can't you hear the Clint Eastwood song? You know how Clint Eastwood get the little pipe, little cigarette, cigar thing and put it in his mouth? Man, you need to watch some Clint Eastwood, guys. Come on now. We need some Clint Eastwood spiritually, guys, okay, instead of Gomer Piles. Y'all will get that sometime after midnight tonight. All right, praise the Lord. I was born in the same hospital as Gomer Powell. I made a decision. I'm not going to be a Gomer Powell in the Christian faith. Amen? I'm going to be a John Wayne in the Christian faith. John Wayne died, had his museum here in Fort Worth as a divine purpose so that I could be a strong man of God. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person in the sound of my voice. I love these people. And I love those watching. I know that we have battles. I know we have situations. I know we have situations that seem like they're impossible. But I thank you. You are the God of the impossible. You make it possible. Our faith is not in ourselves. Our faith is not in a movement, not in a church, or not even our own worthiness. Our faith is in who we are in you, Lord Jesus. You said, speak to the mountain. Therefore, we're going to talk to the mountains. We're going to talk to the problems. Let's all say this together. Say, Lord Jesus, today I surrender my mind, my words, and all that I believe to you. Forgive me for any area in my life where words have disappointed you, where words have grieved you. I submit all these things to you and I ask for your help, your wisdom, and I thank you for freedom to be the person I'm called to be. I dedicate myself 
in Jesus' name to your plan, your purposes, your peace, your power in Jesus' name. And before we close with every head bowed and every eye closed, please, 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 whatever that situation is talking to you and saying that I, you can't, you can't win, you can't overcome, I just want you to know faith in God, trust in God and the wisdom of God and the peace of God will bring you through that situation. No, you're not a failure because you've been afraid. You're not a failure because you've lived, had to deal with fear. But don't let that fear rob you of God's best. You're not called to be second to any situation. You're called to be first over it under the Lordship of Jesus because he is the Lord and he is truly the King of Kings over everything in our lives because we belong to him. And so just picture yourself winning that situation and not being defeated by it. In Jesus' name, amen.